All right, Giants fans, hello and welcome back to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. As we go through the offseason, I try to bring you different voices, different perspectives uh, on all things Giants. And uh, joining the program today is is someone that that we haven't talked to before, but we're, we're thrilled to have on the show. David Turner, president and owner of Maverick Sports Consulting, who spent uh, a, a number of years uh, scouting for uh, NFL, CFL, AFL teams. So, David, thank you very, very much for uh, for hopping on. Thank you very much for having me today. It's, uh, it's exciting. I always love coming and talking, obviously, Giants football. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an organization near and dear to my heart. So, before we actually, before we get into that, just uh, – you tell folks a little bit about uh, about Maverick Sports Consulting and a little bit about uh, about your path to to this point in your career. I appreciate the opportunity. So Maverick Sports Consulting was created in 2015 to help the interview process for um, players entering into the NFL. Not so much just uh, the how to handle the coaching and the football questions, but really how to develop uh, business persona for themselves to follow through after interviews, what's the proper way to go into the interview, what questions to be prepared for. And the, why is somebody asking me this question? Why are they asking me this question? So to kind of teach them how to handle the why and the importance of it for general managers, owners, coaches, so this way they're better in tuned and tooled to accomplish their task, which is gaining as much ground in the draft as possible because each draft pick has different monetary uh, equivalents now that it's all slotted. So the farther up they go, the more money they make. So that's what it was founded on. We've grown into consulting programs like ASU. We work with uh, coaches. We work with different uh, junior colleges to give, give their, uh, give this angle to them on how to become better recruited, work with high schools on how to be recruited into college so a lot of fun that we've developed the Maverick Sports Consulting brand into to not only help uh, people transitioning into professional football, but help the high school and junior college kids transfer into four-year colleges. So it's very exciting times. Plus, we have a podcast and we write some books, you know, take all that because of 18 years of a scouting experience. And I've rose to the level of assistant general manager, player personnel director, a few of the... Um, other you know top echelons i can give the people that access that they don't normally get um with the candidness that i bring to the table as well and you have a background with the new york giants and with dave gettleman as well why don't you just tell the folks uh you what your connection is to uh to the giants gm and and to the giants organization as well from 2003 to 2005, I was there as a pro personnel intern under Dave Gettleman, Ernie, of course, who was a GM. Jerry Reese was the player personnel director at the time. Kevin Abrams was obviously our salary cap guru. So many of the, the, the old guard is still there that, I, uh, that I've worked with and talked with and learned from. So it, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure to be on the journey with them and taking their teachings forward with me as I've moved through my career in life. Well, you must have done something right because I was perusing the, the Maverick, Maverick Sports Consulting website, and I see that, uh, that Dave wrote you a testimonial. Yeah, 
he's a big supporter of me and uh, what I'm trying to do in my mission because he feels a lot of these young men and women have great stories to tell. They just don't know how to effectively communicate them and often get in and get off on tangents and don't utilize the time uh, effective enough to tell their stories. So, you know, our training really tries to uh, tune those in for the young men and women in order so they can effectively communicate to the decision makers why they, they are the proper person to hire. Hey, so before we, we actually talk about individual draft picks, maybe the rookie mini camp coming up for the Giants, um, I wanted to ask you while we're on the topic of Dave, um, I talked to Dan Hatman scouting Academy director recently and a guy who worked with Dave, you know, with the giants for, for a little while, a little bit after you did, I believe. And Dan wasn't as surprised by the way that this draft unfolded for the giants as, as a lot of people seem to be just in terms of Dave maneuvering the board, maybe taking some players that are a little bit different than he might have, have historically taken um, over the years. How surprised were you uh, by the way that Dave maneuvered this this last draft? I I'll be frank. Like, if it was a typical Dave Gettleman draft where he didn't move, like if he was just that statue figure, like he likes to be, you would have you would have wound up with uh, players that I think might have been maybe a little higher on draft boards grades. But by Dave doing what he did, he, you know, he really stayed true to the core principle that he taught all of us, which is sustained success is the goal. It's not just about this year, but it's about the next three years. Every move you make on the chessboard, you really have to think about the next three years as you move those chess pieces. So for me, when I saw him take that deal with the, the Bears – I was like, that is a, that's a core value move right there for us because he was able to really fleece the bears to come up and get a quarterback. And then, you know, when he moved back again and picked up some more picks, I was like, okay, that makes sense because he's collecting some, he's collecting more, uh, rev, you know, future, uh, Capital, I think, is the word. Thank, yeah, that's for. the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Searching in my head. Thank you. Draft oh, you're capital. welcome. So, you know, and again, I, I love some of these picks. And I'll be honest with you, the value, as Dave always talks about, you know, you have to know your value at your pick and value in a player for that pick. And, you know, like the Aziz Jalari pick, again, kids slipped down the boards because he was he had a question on an injury, but he was the most polished pass rusher in the in this draft. I mean, he's the most guy, right? And talk scheme fit. He can play the stand-up outside linebacker spot for him. Man, it's a great scheme fit. Like, if he would have picked him at 20, I would have thought it was a great scheme fit. But to see him pick down at 50, right, I was like, wow, that's a heck of a value for a scheme fit player that's instant coffee that can step in day one and potentially be a starter. And if you only get, say, two or three years out of this starter because the knee becomes too bad, he can't play anymore, man, you got him at 50 and you didn't have to take him at 20. That's a heck of a, a value pick right there. So, you know, it, it, was, it was an incredible pickup. And then to get Ellerson Smith back at 116, 
Though, again, I think scheme fit-wise, man, playing him opposite Leonard Williams, it really gives you two defensive ends with their hands in the dirt that are long, that are powerful, that are strong people. Ellerson has a frame to put on and has 10 pounds at least. And he could play 160 or 265 at 6'7". I mean, he'll look like Calais Campbell. I think in time, people are going to really fall in love with that pick there. So, like, two of those, as far as value pick goes, made a lot of sense for me. And then Kadarius Tony in the first round, he was a player that if anybody listened to Maverick Sports, uh, Mass Sports Take, my podcast, they heard me talk a lot about him during the fall. I really thought he was underutilized at Florida. He's a special player. He's got a – he's not as – rare as Waddle is, but he is in a, a similar mold with his stop and start ability, his return game. He's like Percy Harvin when Percy Harvin came out of there. So, I mean, this is an individual who really adds, I think, a lot of nitrous to that room and pairs well with the rest of the uh, the Giants uh, receiver room. Last last quick Dave question, but him trading back and collecting those assets, does that tell you everybody wonders about how much longer is Dave going to be the GM? And and we know that that he's under some pressure, you know, in 2021. But but him being willing to trade back like that, does that tell you that he's he's not planning on on going anywhere anytime soon unless he's uh, more or less pushed out the door? I don't think Dave ever does a job where he worries about tomorrow as a goal as a GM, it's always about what's best for the organization and every step you take, every piece you move, it's leaving an organization better than what you found it. So if he, if tomorrow the mayor's walked down to his office and said, Dave, you're done. He can leave that building saying it's better than when I showed up. And that's what he always taught us as, as men, as uh, people in the business, you always want to leave a place better than the way you found it. And I know I've done that at every job I've left because of Dave and having that focus is a rare focus because so many people guard their desk, as I call it. They have that guard the desk mentality that they just want to keep that desk as long as possible, any which way about it, which isn't the right way to think of the organization. Thinking of the organization and using your values to make sure that every move you make, every decision you make is better for that organization, whether you're there or not, is the, is the only way to do the job with a clean conscience. And I think if you watch what Dave did in free agency this year and what he did in the draft, like tomorrow he could walk out of that door, that building, and look behind him and be very happy with the package he's leaving, those coaches, that organization, the Maras everybody and and have a clean conscience to you know go back up to the cape and have a cold beer all right so let's talk about uh, about prospects a little bit and you you gave us a little bit of a rundown on Kadarius Tony and, and Aziz Ojolari a pick that that I really really love by the way I mean before the knee stuff came out I thought the Giants might even go ahead and, and, and pick him at 11 you know and you talked about Ellerson Smith as well where I want to start is a question that I think you might be sort of uniquely positioned to talk about. Kadarius Tony had the uh, the AR-15, you know, incident back in 2018. He had the suspension in 2018, and the Giants 
obviously they have a lot of people in on their staff who know this young man. They did a lot of work. They said they were satisfied with, with his, you know, with his explanation and, and his background. You're sitting in a room with Kadarius Tony and you know, NFL teams are going to come and, and, and ask him about these things. How do you talk to him just about about how he should how a young man like that should address those things in front of NFL teams. Right. So in those situations, you have to allow the the athlete to explain it in his own words to you when I'm prepping them. And then take his story and consolidate it into concise streams of information so therefore, when he's talking to the teams, they're getting the honest truth without any of the fluff color, without being in a in a situation where they're vomiting from the mouth, as I call it, and telling too much. And that's not holding back pertinent information. It's just teaching them how to, you know, be at a fireside chat and develop a story that captures the room and gets them the information they need while making sure their focus doesn't come off you. So in a Tony situation, when you're talking about obviously gun violence, you know, guns and stuff, you got to talk about maturing past that, um, that moment. And seeing that it was in 18 and we're in 2021, you got to talk about what you've done since then, how you've grown what your recognition was from that moment forward and how it's influenced and impacted your life. And And if, if you're able to do that, then often the employer becomes satisfied that you're no longer going to make the same mistake twice. Do you, everybody has a different take on, on Kadarius. And, and I think, you know, by, you know, largely I think he's a kid that made a mistake when he was really young, but do you, do you have any worries about him in, in New York, New Jersey, you know, in the big market? You know, I, I know the director of personnel down there at Florida. His name is William Homer. Him, William, and I have worked at the Niners and then up in Edmonton. He was one of my scouts up there. We're really close friends. And when I talked to him about character concerns for the Florida kids, he didn't have one at all. He thought they all were in, in a much better spot than they were a few years ago. They learned and they've grown from mistakes they've made in their past. And I know who he was talking about with that, but he talked about him as a group. We're really good and positive young men. So for me, I don't have a problem with Kadarius. I believe that, you know, he will come up. He'll showboat a little bit because that's a little bit of his personality. But I don't believe off the field he's going to find the allure of the of the city's uh, negative more appealing than being a Giants man. And that's something that I think that a lot of people don't understand. That when you're at the organization, being a Giants man is really important to the organization. And they don't keep people around long that can't buy into that. And as long as Kadarius, you know, understands the mayors are serious about character and doing the right thing. And Chris Pettit has had his candid conversation with him. I think Kadarius will be just fine. Do you worry at all with Kadarius, Tony, 
that uh, that Jason Garrett, a, a more traditional offensive coordinator, will will have trouble figuring out how to how to get him the football and and how to use him, you know, to to his maximum benefit. No, I've known JG a long time since he was the quarterback there. And then when I was in 2002 in Miami, I know Judd Garrett, his brother. You know, I've been to their house, sat with their dad and Jack and watched him talk football. I've known that family for a long time, you know, my whole career. And that family has, they know football so well. When you give them a weapon like Tony, I don't think he's ever going to have a problem figuring it out. I think he'll be just fine throwing them some bubble screens, running some, you know, fly uh, Z reverse stuff with them, you know, giving them the short to intermediate routes where he can get the ball in his hand quick and then make him make a player move and Excel pass them. So I think, I think Kadarius gives Jason a weapon that he hasn't had much in his career. So therefore we don't know. Traditionally, you don't know how he's going to use them, but by me knowing him and the family and their creative nature, I, I really feel comfortable. He'll find ways to use them. Nice. Nice. We, uh, Giants fans uh, listening to the show, I'm sure certainly certainly hope that's the case. I was well, I, uh, I, like I said, I got to know his dad, Jack, and and that man knew receivers. And, and, and if you're watching me right now, you see the smile on my face because like he knew receivers, he knew how to work that offense. So I'm sure JG is like in the notebooks from his dad, going, "Okay, let me let me figure out how Dad would use this guy a little bit, and then apply that forward." All right, hey, let's let's talk about Aziz Ojolari a little bit. One of my one of my favorite picks for the Giants in this draft, guy that uh, you know that that I I think a lot like you. I thought he was the perfect edge rusher for the Giants for the way that they played defense. I thought he was a guy that just screamed, you know, great fit for the Giants. But here here's the question, really, you know, when I talked to I actually talked to Aziz earlier this week and and he said you know the stuff about his knee that came up the last few days before the draft he said he didn't know where it came from because he hadn't had any issues since you know since high school with the knee um was did it surprise you to see that stuff at all you know come out the last couple days is that just somebody trying to you know is that is that team's trying to push him down the board you know or or is that a legitimate concern? I'm not in the room. I don't have access to his medical, but I can talk generally. You know, generally when I've been in the room before and we've had injury concerns come up on guys, it's not so much that it's bothered them in the past. It's an injury that we foresee being a problem in the future. So therefore, for when, you know, Ronnie Barnes and them looked at the, the, and the Dr. Warren and all them looked at the, you know, and Rodeo looked at all the uh, x-rays and MRIs and images and those around the league looked at them, there might've been narrowing of some cavities in there that, you know, indicate that arthritis is already onset, uh, that there's, you know, potential for another tear or something, 
you know, I, I did a study or I shouldn't say I, we did a study down in Carolina when somebody has a knee injury, it's 85 to 87% chance that they're going to need a second surgery on that knee and, or the opposite knee is going to be affected in some way where they'll need an, a surgery on that. So when you're looking at those kind of statistical analysis when you're looking into the structure of the knee and there's some narrowing of cavities or some buildup or loose bodies that are in there, you're like, well, this could be a second surgery, which then could cause additional damage. So therefore, you know, I, I wasn't there, so I can't tell you I know that's the case. I can just talk from experience here saying this is why players have fallen and dropped um, down the boards is looking forward. And that's why you don't take a player with injury concern or character concern, in my opinion, in the first round, because that fifth year option contract, the way it sits right now, you're really looking at a player that will last five to, to six to seven years and get the second contract with your team, or at least be one that you can, you know, franchise tag for a year and you get six years of service out of them before you have to worry about replacing them. That's so valuable to have that rookie contract these days in the first round. You don't want to make mistakes there. It's interesting that you brought up the, uh, the, the fifth year option, because it is so important in terms of, uh, of, of having those players at a, especially at a, uh, at, at a fairly reasonable cost, you know, Saquon Barkley's fifth year option, I think is actually $3 million less than what he's going to, than his cap hit for his fourth year. So I, I, I know the giants have already exercised that, but it's a, but it's an interesting way to help manage the cap. Well, and that's why we, that's why you see other teams go for the rookie contracts on quarterbacks because it's so cap friendly. You can pay other positions, and you know, as Dave and everybody's taught us, you, you know, under the cap area, you can't pay everybody. So, you know, you got to find unique ways to manage your cap each and every year to fit as much talent on the roster as possible. So, so hey, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the third round pick and 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 the Giants went cornerback here. They went nickel corner a year after taking Darnay Holmes, you know, in the fourth round, you know, mostly to play that spot. So, tell me, tell me what you think of of Aaron Robinson as a pick for the Giants in that spot. And, and the other thing that I'm curious that I have wondered dating back to last year, you know, it looked like to an outside observer, it looked like Darnay Holmes had a pretty good rookie year. And yet when Xavier McKinney got healthy, Darnay Holmes barely played. Is there, in addition to maybe what they like about Robinson, does that pick maybe tell you that, that, that maybe the, the giants weren't, weren't thrilled with Darnay Holmes as a rookie? I don't know if I can draw that conclusion. I think that, you know, when you're in a position in the third round and you're looking at best players available, you have to start weighing out that in comparison with your own needs. And for, I know Dave had made it a point to start helping the uh, secondary out. So, you know, for me, I think it's a, a situation where he, he saw value in that pick for a position of need. And right now, you know, they're spending a lot on their secondary. I want to say it's fourth most 
in the NFL. And obviously that's top heavy with Bradbury, Ryan and Peppers and Bradbury's 28, Logan Ryan's 30 and uh, Peppers is 26. And then they have um, Jackson, who's the fourth highest paid, I think on their roster at being 26. So this is a way where you can start to grow and get players younger. And while they're younger, they are also developing under very skilled position, older veterans. So, you know, it's a way to groom and mold your young talent while you still have relatively good productive talent up top in their prime sitting there as well. So, you know, for me, it was an investment in the future uh, more than a reflection of anybody's talent that is currently on the roster. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, and, and we talked a little bit about, about Ellerson Smith, so I, I, I don't want to necessarily gloss over him, but I think... Uh, you know, I think we we know you know pretty much how you how you feel about him. I think that's a, a really nice upside, you know, nice swing at at an upside player there who who could be a nice pass rusher for them. I'm curious the two sixth round picks, running back Gary Brightwell, cornerback Radarius Williams. Just a synopsis, your thoughts on on whether the Giants could actually get you know some value out of uh, out of those two guys. These two, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I don't, I don't really understand them. You know, when they were sitting there at the the six round pick and they took Brightwell, I thought they might take Roundtree, a uh, different a different running back. Um, you know, and then Williams again, not addressing the offensive line at all in the draft was an interesting idea for me. And going another cornerback that again after adding Robinson and what they did in free agency and stuff it was a pretty full room inside that, that defensive back room. So that I didn't understand at all. I thought they might go for best offensive lineman available at that point. Um, and Brightwell, like I, I said, they thought they might go with a different, a different um, running back to help shore up behind, you know, Barkley, uh, the running back room a little bit. Now Brightwell physically, fits a Dave Gettleman model of a running back, like kind of like a Jonathan Stewart style back, big run downhill, be between the tackles kind of guy. 
I've been here. I live in Tempe, Arizona, so I see a lot of Arizona games. I think this is a is a very good, solid young man, a good pick. I would have thought a different pick for the Giants at this point when they did take him. I understood it because he fits along the lines of what Dave teaches us, what running backs are supposed to look like. So, you know, I got that. The sixth round, another corner, that one was – and not to put Williams down at all, the Oklahoma State kid. I know him well. I think he's a good good player. I just didn't think it was a a situational fit where, you know, they might have taken an offensive lineman. Um, at that pick instead. I wonder with Brightwell how much special teams plays into that because we know Joe Judge's background and and we know that you know Brightwell did a lot of special teams work at Arizona. In fact, when he talked to New York media, it was the first thing he talked about, not playing running back. The first thing he talked about was what he would bring to special teams. So I just wonder if if that played into it at all. I'm sure it does. I mean, versatility as a six round pick is key. You got to have the special teams play. And this is a young man, like I said, who played a ton of special teams down here. He's, he's a good size running back. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to him. Not trying to bash the young man. I'm just saying like, as a pure running back, I thought there were other pure running backs there. Right. Right. So, you know, you mentioned it, the giants did not select an offensive lineman at all. I thought maybe if they stayed at 11, Rashawn Slater might be in play. Dave said there were a couple of guys in, you know, in, in later rounds who they, they had interest in, um, you know, but, the, but the, but the player was off the board by, you know, by the time it, it was their turn to pick, you know, and then he said afterwards, he said, you know, he said, it's apparent that, that, that we have more faith in the guys we already have, you know, th- than the media does. Um, and maybe some of that is, well, I have to have faith in them because they're the guys that, that I have now, but I guess the question is having lost Kevin Zeitler, looking at a starting lineup of Andrew Thomas and Matt paired at the tackles, probably Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez at the guards, Nick, Nick Gates at center. Is, is that a group that, that you have confidence in? I think it's a strong group. I really do. I think the question marks are obviously if Will and Hernandez is going to finally put his game together and be the dominant figure at that, at that uh, left guard spot that he was drafted to be. And again, I scouted Will coming out of UTEP. Uh, it was one of my schools for the Panthers that I went through. I think he's got a lot of pride in his game. He just needs a little bit better. I think maybe understanding and all the reps he's had should guide him to a very productive year this year. And if he doesn't have it, it's going to be sayonara, sorry. Uh, I don't think they'll reward him with another contract there. Lemieux, to me, is a, a player that is very interesting. That it would be – I honestly think see him better as a left guard than right guard. But seeing that Hernandez has never played anything but left guard from high school to college to the pros, it might be harder to flip him to right guard. Um, so Lemieux might, might end up being – the, the right guard for a year and then flipping to left after that. So, you know, I, I like this group. I think there's the, the, the cogs in the machine have to be worked with, and that's going to fall on the line coach, uh, his, his shoulders to get it all worked out and get the footwork and things worked out mainly for these young guys. But let me take a minute to talk about Brett Hedgie, Brett Hedgie, who was a who signed as an undrafted free agent 
is an incredible center. Now, like I said before, I watch a lot of Florida film. And when I watched Brett Hedgie in the middle, he didn't get pushed. He didn't lose a crown. He didn't lose an inch when people were coming at him. He was a very strong, integral part of being a center down there at University of Florida. I think Hedgie is really going to be a, a, the, the center of the future, and he could be a right or left guard initially. Uh, you know, we've seen offensive linemen through our career get – uh, go undrafted and become first day starters. I think Richie Schubert uh, was a guy who was undrafted and ultimately became a starter. And so was Sean O'Hare. So, I mean, we have Dave has in his past identified guys in the trenches and moved them forward into the starting lineup really quickly. And Hedgie to me is one that can be the next guy in that line. Andrew Norwell, of course, as well in, uh, yes. in Carolina. Yep, Andrew, yep. So, yeah, And so Jake we, Burton, Jake Burton reminds me of Andrew Norwell when he came out of, was it Ohio State? Jake Burton, uh, the, the other undrafted free agent that they signed, has similar traits to Andrew Norwell. Interesting, interesting. Well, we will see, you know, how it all plays out. Um, I offensive line wise i tend to be more bullish on uh, on this group than you know the, than some people do I, I think that that you know the giants went all in a year ago to upgrade this group and i think last year was in, in no way shape or form between the pandemic and the the issues that the giants had with offensive line coaching it was not a not a good introduction to the NFL for for these kids at all. I think, hopefully, um, do do you see maybe a better environment for them this time around? I do, and like you said, offensive line it takes a year or two for them to get used to each other. Everybody wants instant coffee when it comes to offensive line, but it's not instant coffee. You have to know. That's a unit that you have to trust the man next to you when you pass off a guy. You have to trust that they're seeing the scheme, the game being run in front of you the same way you're seeing it. If there's a looping linebacker and a crossing tackle in front of your face, you have to take the tackle and trust your center sliding into the right fit behind you to get that looping linebacker. You know, And if it happens a few times where that doesn't work out as a guard, you're in no man's land, you know, and then you're looking bad on tape like that looper is your fault, but it's not. It's a center didn't see it right. So a lot of what happens in the trenches happens so fast and their decision making has to be in step and in tune. Um, you know, that cadence that they step in is, is so important. You know, having a pandemic that limits the practice time on the field and correction time on the field is not a good thing for offensive line at all. So I agree with you. If Dave and the crew sees a lot of legs for this, for these guys, you know, the, the best is yet to come for them. And I think if we can loosen, if they'll loosen up the, the reins a little bit here and give the offensive line coach a little bit more time on the field with their, with his guys, it'll definitely help and project over to the field uh, a lot better, a lot more smoothly. Besides, you know, instant coffee is terrible anyway. <laughs> oh, I, I, I am not an instant coffee person. 
Hey, David, I appreciate your, uh, your spending, spending the time. Um, why don't you let folks know where they can find your work on Twitter uh, and, uh, you know, before I let you go and, and hopefully we'll have you again. I appreciate you having me on and thank you for the opportunity to come talk Giants football. You know, like I said, it's always fun for me to get on here and go back to big, my big blue days and uh, give it a little, a little chop up. But uh, if you're looking for more Maverick sports consulting and David Turner, please come find us at Mav underscore sports, Mav underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram, you know, you can find us on, Facebook all over the place. We're just, we're everywhere and we're here to help you guys and gals try to maximize your opportunities, whether it's getting into college football or college volleyball, whatever it is, uh, is your interest. We just want to help you get there as fast as possible. All right, David, thank you again for spending the time. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember to take care of each other out there. Stay safe and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.